Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folk, but in front of your own speak my mind. Once again, it's on, good people. This is Rail Talk, the podcast. I'm your gracious host, Rail. As always, don't forget to like and share this podcast with your friends and your families and follow me on Instagram at Raleigh Rail. On today's show, I want to talk about a wonderful video that I saw on World Star Hip Hop about white privilege. Let's get into it. It seems bizarre to have to ask the question, does America have a race problem? All the evidence says yes. But not everyone in the US agrees. Surveys consistently show that while most black people believe race is an issue, most white people don't. A divergence of opinion that existed even at the height of the civil rights movement in the 1960s. Most white people didn't understand what Martin Luther King was trying to do. So, I'm going on a journey into the mind of white America. Let's be honest. Most white people think that blacks are in the situation that we're in now because we're not as smart as them. Because somehow we couldn't figure out how to pull ourselves up out of poverty. They think there is no systematic racism. They think that there isn't a system where if a young black male goes to get a job and a young white male goes to get that same job and they both have the same qualifications, the young white male gets the job. See, they'll tell you it doesn't exist, but that's because they live in a bubble. This is Black Milwaukee, home to 70% of African-Americans living in the state of Wisconsin. It's poor, rundown, undesirable. Professor Mark Levine from the University of Wisconsin gave me a tour and explained how over several decades, mortgage lenders and estate agents steered different races to different parts of the city. You know, they could sort of deny outright racism by simply saying, well, this is just a hard-boiled economic analysis. We know that African-Americans are, are a greater credit risk and they're not going to you know, pay back these loans and so we're not going to make those loans. The study was done about a decade ago uh, by the city uh, to look at exactly that issue and they found uh, that a white household with income around $25,000 a year had about the same rejection rate for housing loans as uh, a black uh, family with income over $125,000 a year. Let's touch on that right quick. Wells Fargo and Bank of America just lost lawsuits in the Supreme Court for this very reason. Because they purposely and knowingly deny home loans for qualified African-Americans. That's why I don't use the word community when I'm talking about the black neighborhood, because it's not a community. A community is created by the people, which means they want to be there. A neighborhood is created by the government, which means based on your financial, your economic situation, we'll tell you where you're going to live or not. Now, I'm not saying the black people that live in these neighborhoods don't act like a community because they do interact. They like each other, they get along, but they're only there because they can't afford to live anywhere else. So be careful when you say the black community, because there is no black community. We don't own a thing over there. That's why when gentrification comes around, we got to go because we are lifelong renters. We don't own anything. And the result of racism in mortgage lending is segregation. And that in turn fuels poverty, poor schools and so on, as investors turn their backs on black areas neighborhoods are left to rot. Meanwhile, in White Milwaukee... People who don't even live in the neighborhood tend to walk through here because it's pleasant on the eyes and it's a comfortable place to be. It's safe. But on the other hand, 
um, just up a couple of blocks, I can, especially through the summer, hear gunshots, bam, 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 bam. Go back to what I said earlier. See, they think we're still in the ghetto because we don't want to get out or because we don't know how to get out. The thing is, there is no escaping. It's called a trap for a reason. As she said, people like to walk through these neighborhoods because it's clean, it's easy on the eyes, it's peaceful. So why does African-American kids have to grow up in a neighborhood where they see there, there are a lot of African-American kids right now who've seen people die right in front of their face at nine, 10 years old. There are African-American kids who, are, who witness things that white kids will never witness. There are African-American kids who are literally living in war zones and they don't get help for PTSD. So when you talk about the ghetto and the ghetto being created by redlining and the ghetto being created by white flight and the ghetto being created by the government who wanted to make sure the African-Americans stayed in their place. And then you wonder why we shoot. You wonder why we sell drugs. You wonder why we kill each other because there is no way out. Even in a third world country where there are little resources, violence is there. That's just nature. It happens like that. And the black neighborhoods are like third world countries. Yes, some of us make it out, but not enough of us make it out where we can come back and make real change. And that's what I'm saying. So if I was to ask you then, what is your view of, of those African-Americans living in that area? What would that be based on? Because it's not on personal contact, right. is it? Honestly, uh, most of it is based on what I see on the news. Most of their opinion on us is based on the news, the media. They're sitting in their houses, watching the news, and they're saying, look at these niggas here. They don't know how to act. They don't want to help themselves. Look at that. What about black-on-black violence? Do black lives really matter? That's why I don't trust the media, because the media makes sure that if a white man kills his wife and a black man shoots another black man, the white man that kills his wife is the last story and the black man that kills another black man is the first story. It's systematic, people. And that's what I want you all to understand. It's not a game, man. It's not a game. And they want us to believe that that we lack intelligence. There are people like Rush Limbaugh and Bill O'Reilly who feed this negative connotation into these. I'm going to just say it idiot white people who believe it like it's the gospel truth and then they go back out and you try to debate them on social media when you try to debate them in person they just spew this fox news rhetoric and then you realize after about five or ten minutes there ain't no convincing them because their mind is made up you're where you are because you didn't pull yourself up by your bootstrap well here's a news flash neither did you it is a fact that the government gave poor people who came over from europe free land and then taught them how to tend to the land for free. Black people didn't get that same help. We never got our 40 acres and our mule. I have a few of African-American friends. Uh, one of my good friends, he's been pulled over at least 15 times, and I have never been pulled over before. Okay, so that you think that is your uh, we, white privilege? Maybe it's because, I don't know, just the theory here, you, you don't speed, you don't violate traffic laws. Is that possible? All right. You see, that's a personal one for me. Because as a young African-American male, I've been a victim of racism several times. I've been pulled over several times without a single ticket. I can remember being about 18 years old, getting off work, going to my brother's house and being profiled by the police for a crime I didn't commit and had to sit on the curb for a crime I didn't commit and being threatened to be thrown in jail because I didn't want to comply with being harassed and being profiled. I can remember going in to try to get an apartment when I was 20, 21 years old and walking in, there was a young white girl receptionist who was on the phone and I go in and I sit down and I sit down for 30 minutes and she doesn't get up not one time and ask me, did I need any help? 
And when I got up and walked out, she didn't come behind me. And it wasn't because she didn't see me. It wasn't because she was busy. It was because she made up in her mind that day. She wasn't renting an apartment to a black man. See, this is what we deal with as black people in America. So for this racist, white, conservative radio host to say, maybe it's because you didn't violate. Maybe it's because you didn't speed. It's utterly disrespectful to the black community. Because what he's doing is he's equating race with criminal acts. He's saying there's no way the cop pulled him over for anything other than him committing a crime. He's one of those guys that say racism doesn't exist. He's one of those guys that say profiling doesn't exist. He's one of those guys that say all cops are good cops. Even when there's a video of a white cop running around with his pistol drawn at a pool party and sitting on a 14-year-old black girl's back. You see, people will say, well, she must have done something. There's a reason why the cop acted how they act. They must have done something. So I'll say this. If you don't believe racism exists, if you don't believe white privilege exists, then you must be white. And on that note, y'all go be great. Thank you for listening to Real Talk, the podcast.